for groceries on the way home. I remember once when the express lane was 15 items or less. He counted 16 in our basket and waited in the longer line, refusing to put back the flowers he'd bought for my mom. Dad followed the rules, and he stuck to his principles. At 17, I thought I was too old to do the Jekyll trip with my parents, so I'd get the cookie with my dad, ride an angst-fueled lap of the island by myself, and watch TV at the rental house while they went to the beach. At first, I was annoyed that there was nothing on other than the Tour de France, but then Tyler Hamilton won a stage with a broken collarbone, and Lance Armstrong crashed but still beat Jan Ulrich up the mountains on the way to his fifth win. Dad said I was wasting my vacation. Why would anyone care who wins a bike race, he asked. But I had to see if Lance's Discovery Channel team would catch the breakaway, pulling in the wind while Armstrong hid in their draft to save energy for his next devastating attack. There were all sorts of prizes and races within the race that affected team strategies, from stage victories and sprints to the King of the Mountains jersey for the best climber. Sweeping around castles and coastlines, the peloton was a symphony, and bike racing was a magical combination of a fistfight and a chess match. The city of Atlanta is basically owned by the Coca-Cola company, so our school had vending machines filled with soda, and I don't remember ever drinking water as a kid. I spent most of my teens obese and depressed, never a fan of exercise, but when we got back from Jekyll, I headed straight to Bikeways, where the owner sold me a used Trek 1200 hybrid. It was two sizes too small, so I can confirm that he was a jerk, if not a KKK member, but I loved the freedom it brought me. Riding with my friends, I was an explorer, seeing the world for the first time. When I got home, I'd catch myself smiling and singing as I leaned my bike against the wall in the garage and I could tell it was good for my soul. I'd lost 45 pounds by the time I arrived at the University of Florida for college, so I was known as Skinny Phil to the UF Cycling Club, and I was more interested in learning how to draft than in doing my homework. I bought a racing bike on eBay and came back to Tucker for Christmas with shaved legs and tights. Dad shook his head in a scene right out of breaking away. Bikeways went out of business, and I noticed a sign on Main Street announcing a beautification project. Tucker planned to remove a lane of traffic to make room for more parking, and they'd already added raised cement areas filled with soil and gray foot-high twigs. I pictured the meeting where officials delegated funds for the project and wondered if anybody had addressed the elephant in the room. Tucker has its charm like any other antique, but it's old, dirty, and full of proud history. You can't fix it. As I crossed the railroad tracks, a pickup truck slowed down next to me and rolled down the window. Get off the road, faggot! I trained hard that winter, and my brain released some great chemicals when I won my first race. I was addicted, and nothing else mattered for the next ten years of my life. I felt more alive when I was racing, and it was the first thing I'd ever done that I was immediately good at. When a friend brought me into a sports lab, I scored an off-the-charts VO2 max of 88, and it felt like I discovered a superpower. Lacking in fast-twitch muscles, I lost every sprint, but I was always fastest up a hill and I usually won time trials, known as TTs, a discipline where riders compete against the clock on special bikes. In the summers, friends would go off to internships and think about silly things like careers, while I roamed the East Coast, rocketing up the amateur categories. Like a crooked itinerant preacher, I'd show up in your town, do a little damage at the local race, and leave. Often I'd barely make enough to cover gas and a burrito on the way home, but sometimes I'd walk away with a thousand dollars and by 20 years old, I'd won enough to join an elite amateur team attending the biggest events on the national racing calendar.
Pro athletes seem to dwell on their doubters. Michael Jordan always mentioned the high school coach who cut him from the team, but the only doubter I remember coming across in those years was the director of the USA Cycling National Development Program, which grooms young Americans for the UCI World Tour, the top level of pro cycling. I was a college sophomore when he said I was too old to join them in Belgium, that I should stay in school. Whatever. Who wants to hang out in Belgium? I'm sure I'd get sick of waffles after a few weeks. My parents would have killed me if I dropped out anyway. Dad thought I was wasting my time riding my bike so much, but I wouldn't call him a doubter. He just wanted what was best for me. To him, the world tour was men wearing tights, playing a game, with leg shave for no reason. But to me, Lance and his colleagues were gladiators, the peak of human potential and strength and endurance and teamwork, carved out of granite. Okay, fine. Wearing tights, with legs shaved for no reason. Believers were much louder than doubters in those years. When I considered law school...